0: morning as we kick into week two of our series that I've entitled, But God, we are looking at those seasons of life where God begins to move in our midst and in our situations and His miracle working power is evidenced. You know, last week we kicked this series off talking about uh, what God or what, what man had meant for evil, God had meant for good and how God in a, in a moment was able to take uh, what was being done in Joseph's life and turn it for his good and turn it for God's glory. And that's truly what we, what we contend with is these seasons and these moments where things don't tend to work out just the way that we had hoped, but God is still working in the midst of that. And when we read Scripture and everything seems to be going wrong, when we read the words, but God, it's always important for us to brace ourselves because God's about to do something incredible and something big. And I believe that that's what his desire is for your life and for mine. The word but is a coordinating conjunction. It's used to connect ideas that are often contrasting. And typically in, you know, our our society the, the word but is is it brings about a negative connotation you know we we you know have our kids when they're little they they they're drawing their picture and they're you know color and everything in and then they bring it over to you and it looks like somebody you know threw something at the wall and you go oh that's so great you know it's really it's very abstract but maybe you should try and you know scroll in between the lines you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a negative connotation. You know, when I, I've umpired baseball for a number of years, and I remember early on uh, sitting with other umpires. And, you know, I've tried to learn everything I can when it comes to the craft of umpiring. And so I listen intently when people give me critiques. And I remember sitting with other people where somebody would be critiquing them, and they say, you know, you really should do this and this and this, and they, yeah, yeah but, but, you know, I was, I was over here, and I was doing this, and I was, and we, we call them, we call them yeah butters. And they're those people who want to make excuses for what they do in life. And that whole word but can be negative sometimes. I remember early on in Gretchen's and my marriage, um, when uh, Gretchen had made some homemade macaroni, and and she was so proud, and she was so excited, and she brought it out, and we ate it, and I remember saying, "This was really, really good, but I kind of prefer my mom's." yeah, It didn't, uh, it didn't go over real well. As you could imagine. Or maybe I heard about the, the mom who was at a restaurant, and her four-year- old daughter told the waitress that her their hair looked. So nice and beautiful. And the waitress got this huge, big smile on her face and thanked her. And as she turned to walk off, the the daughter turned to the mom and says, but not the back. It's like, oh, god, You know. Well, for us, we have our teenage daughter just turned 16. And she is, uh, she believes the greatest driver who's ever uh, sat behind the wheel of a vehicle. And Leah is wonderful. She will, you know, go through, throughout her little process of, of driving, and, and uh, she oftentimes will ask us how she's doing, and, and, and typically, you know, we'll say, well, you know, that was great, but maybe focus a little bit more on merging onto I-5 and less on how amazing your music playlist is. That would be helpful for us. But for, for, for Christians, for followers of Christ, the word but should, come, should bring about a, a level of excitement and expectation. It should engender us to come to this place of understanding that in, in our midst, in our moments of life, God is, is doing something, and he's about to do something great. God is often moving mountains and preparing to change circumstances on our behalf. Oftentimes we miss those moments, though. Today I want to look at another but God moment in Scripture as David finds himself running for his life. If you're familiar with the story of David, you spend any time in the church or any time studying Scripture, you're familiar with David. But if you're new to, to church or you, you, you're new to the story of David, the life of David is, is, is truly one of the more remarkable stories that we see in Scripture. He was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons, and we know how the story goes. He's out, he's shepherding in the pastures, and Samuel comes to anoint the new king. King Saul's in power, and and Samuel comes to anoint the new king. And he comes to Jesse's household, and he goes through all the brothers. No, not him. Nope, not that guy. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, and he goes through all seven Jesse's sons, and he says, do you have any other sons? And he said, well, yeah, just David. He's, he's out, in, out in the fields. He says, well, call him in. And the voice of God speaks to Samuel, and he says, this is the anointed. And we know that God chooses David, and Samuel anoints him as the future king of Israel. And David serves King Saul faithfully. He serves the nation of Israel faithfully, and we know that he had a little, little dust up with with Goliath and with the Philistine army and he was able to be victorious because God had his favor on him and his life. And in the midst of all these wonderful things that are happening in David's life, King Saul becomes jealous. Jealous to the point of rage. Jealous to the point where he wants to murder and end David's life. And Saul makes it his mission to kill David and tries multiple, multiple times. David, the future king of Israel, finds himself literally running for his life. And in the midst of that, Saul pursues him relentlessly. It's really a fascinating story, and we pick up the story in First Samuel chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. It's early in the Old Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, you can Flip or navigate on your U-Version Bible app and follow along there. We have the notes and the scriptures available to you. But 1 Samuel 23, verse 7 says, Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has handed him over to me, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod. David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Just lost my place. There it is. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. And again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Keilah and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. And David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that no matter what we're facing in life, no matter what circumstances look like, we know that you have a moment, a but God moment in store for us if we will just trust you. So, Father, where we've doubted or where we've struggled to see your hand at work. I pray that you give us courage, that you give us perseverance to understand that you are great and that you have great plans in store for our lives. I pray that you'd help us today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts by your scripture and by your spirit. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the midst of a dire situation, we see a story of absolute faith and a but God moment as the Lord protects David through the craziest of situations when his very life is being threatened at every turn David trusted God and I have to think any one of us would have likely thrown thrown in the towel and ran I mean just, just look at the scripture you know he says, "Well, will Saul come down as your servant has heard, O Lord God of Israel, tell your servant." And the Lord said, "He will." And again, David asked, "Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul?" And the Lord said, "They will." It's kind of a little bit depressing. Like, God, these people are coming against me. Are they going to destroy me? Yep. Yep, they are. They're 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 after me and they they want to destroy the army. Are, are they going to do it? Yep. I I got to think at some moment, David was just like, "What in the world? Like, where are you, God?" I think I probably would have said, "Forget this, I'm out of here," and I would have just started running, never to look back. Or maybe, you know, if you if you'd been running long enough, you'd just get to that place of total fatigue where you just say, "I just, I just give up. Like, he can do whatever he wants to me now. I just, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to keep running."
1: But following God's protection through all this, we actually see the tables are turned, and Saul's
0: given to David's hands, and David spares his life. But my question for you this morning is: How do we deal with the opposition that we face in life, especially when it seems like it's coming from every angle? We throw our hands up and go. Ah. Or do we press in to these moments that are most critical and are most threatening? Today I want to look at three realities we need to understand when we face adversity and when we're on this side of our but God moment. The first thing is this: God is most in control when things are most out of control. Did you hear what I said? God is in most is most in control when things are most out of control. It's when he does his greatest work, when things are just going crazy. But we have to see his hand at work in the moment. 1 Samuel chapter 23, going back to our scripture in verse 9, when David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod. And David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely. That Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me.
1: Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord, tell, tell your servant. And the Lord said he will. And will he surrender me and my men? The Lord said they will.
0: In his darkest moment where his very life is being threatened, David is given this decision. Will I trust God?
1: Or will I say, well, you know, he must have anointed the wrong guy because this guy's out to destroy me. This would have to be a very discouraging time in David's life.
0: And maybe you've been in that same place where it feels like God is allowing bad things to happen to you. Stuff's coming from every angle and you just kind of go, What's going on? And you find yourself in, a, in conversation with God saying, God, you know, I had enough in 2020. That was a, that was a bad enough year. W-w- am I going to face financial adversity again in 2021? And the sense you get is, God says, You will. And maybe you say, Well, my kids continue to struggle through distance learning. And He says, They will. Maybe you say, well, I face more adversity at work and in these relationships that I have. And the Lord says, you will. How then do we reconcile having faith in the midst of the impossible moments of life?
1: When the world would say, this is a real good time to get discouraged and hopeless. How do we find
0: faith? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says this, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Did you hear that? We will face trouble in this life, we will face hardship. There will be stuff that will happen that we will say, why is this happening to me? This doesn't seem fair. I've done things the right way. I've followed God. I've trusted him. Why is this happening? And the answer is, the sun and the rain come to both, the righteous and the unrighteous. And the reality is, if we don't face hardship, how can our faith be tested and our trust in God be on display? If everything's always hunky-dory and we're just like, woo God, yay, yay, everything's great, then how will we have a story to share with somebody who's discouraged and without hope and who's struggling through the complexities of life? Because there are many who don't believe and they find themselves often at their wit's end. And if we don't have an answer for them, what good is our faith? In the midst of chaos, we can be sure that we may be one step
1: away from a but God moment. One step, one breath, one moment. But we have to be sure to check our confession in these seasons. Because too often
0: what comes out is, God, where are you? What's going on? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting people take advantage of me? Why are you letting people hurt me? And we want to blame God instead of understanding, like we had talked about last week, that there's evil in the world. So we have to check our confession and understand that God is most in control when things are most out of control. The second thing is this, God will show his greatest strength when you feel most vulnerable.
1: He is strongest when we are weakest. And yet we oftentimes want to be able to just
0: go through life and, I, I, I don't want to face any adversity. I just want to be strong through everything. And, but the faith that we have in Christ is most evident when we're struggling through the trials and the tribulations, and we trust God through it. Too often the vulnerabilities we feel in life will lead us to question, where is God? why can't he help me in this moment? I remember a season of, of, of our life where we were trying to get out of debt. We, like many people, early on in our marriage, Gretchen and I made some really dumb financial decisions and got, you know, we're, we're, we're outside of our, our means and we got ourselves into debt and it was crippling for many years for us. It was debilitating. It was... Something that caused us to feel hopeless at times. And I remember this season we were working hard and we were working extra and we were doing, we both had full time jobs. And I remember I was working tons of baseball games, umpiring baseball. And Gretchen was working this Japanese school during the summer to raise some extra money. And we were working a fireworks stand, which I don't recommend anybody do unless you really, really, really like the outdoors and sleeping on asphalt, because your air air mattress never holds its air and you end up on the pavement. It's not great. And we were working and we were working and we were working and we did all these things and we had saved up literally thousands of dollars and we were gonna be taking care of, of, of some of our debt. And we were excited. And I, I kid you not, it was, it was like as, as, as soon as the money had gotten into our checking account,
1: car accident, cars totaled, vehicle problems, oh, the blessed event of
0: vet, veterinary bills because our cats needed teeth extracted
1: and our dogs needed this and that. Yeah. And we found ourselves wondering, where, God,
0: what, what, what's going on? We did all the things we needed to do to, to work, to get to this place where we could, and it's gone. You know, in those moments, it can be hard to see God's hand at work. Those are the moments where we just want to say, you know what, I, I've worked my tail off, and I, don't have, I have nothing to show, show for it, so maybe I'm just not going
1: not gonna to keep working. Yet in that moment, David never lost confidence in God's strength. Not once.
0: Not once do we see in Scripture him question God and say, Where are you? And why are you letting this happen to me? And why would you let your servant, the anointed king, go through this? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. That's a decision. That's a decision when we face adversity, to respond
1: with strength and courage. It doesn't just happen automatically. Jeremiah 29.11 Says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord.
0: Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan on purpose for each and every one of our lives.
1: But do we trust that he's working in the moments that seem the most dire? It's important that when we feel vulnerable to shift our thoughts to God's blessings.
0: Too often we focus on on the shortfall. We focus on the frustration. We focus on all the things that are happening that are coming against us. And God would say, remember my blessings. Remember my promises. Remember that I'm for you, not against you. Remember that I'll never leave you or forsake you. Remember that I'm present, I'm closer than a brother. Remember that I love you.
1: We choose what comes out of our hearts and our heads when the stuff hits the fan. Because I'll tell you right
0: now, your confession will absolutely show what's going on in here. And what comes out of your mouth
1: will be on full display of where your trust is in God. Too often we think we can just kind of lose our mind, but what's inside? Is it the
0: living, breathing Word of God because we've been in the Word? We've, we've been studying Scripture. We've been encouraged by the fact that God is doing things? Or is it just our Facebook memes and our cynical outlook on the world and
1: our thoughts of the worst outcomes that can come to pass? Philippians
0: What is coming out of you? What are you thinking about? What is consuming your mind? Are they good things? Are they noble? Are they true? Are they right? Are they pure? Because whatever we
1: take our time to think about and to ponder, to contemplate, is what will eventually come out.
0: And we'll reflect back on the times God sustained and protected and delivered you. Reflection's a great thing. But it is only when we are at our weakest, most hopeless place that the miracle-working power of God can be most clearly seen by others. Do you realize that? It's only when we're most vulnerable that people can see our true true trust in God, our real faith. Because if everything's going great, they're just like, oh, isn't yeah, that guy's that guy's life great? wish my life could be more like him. No, it's when people are struggling. It's when people are desperate that they're looking for an answer. And will we have that answer for them? Or will we be right down there
1: just... Because that confession doesn't help anybody.
0: And it's when we're most vulnerable that we know it's not our power or our smarts or our knowledge got us through this season. It's only God. It's but God. So we've got to understand that God will show his greatest strength when you feel most vulnerable and that he's most
1: in control when things seem most out of control. The final thought is this. God's
0: love is on full display in the journey to the other side of but God.
1: God's love is on full display as we move towards God's miracle for our lives.
0: If we're not fully aware of and invest in God's power and purpose for our lives, we will likely miss what he's doing. If we don't focus in on what's going on and what God is desiring to do, then we're going to miss it. And guess what? When we miss it,
1: everybody else misses it. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10 says, that, Though the mountains
0: be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I want to read that one more time. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills removed. Those are kind of big deals. The mountains shake, the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. Says the Lord who loves you. Says the Lord who has a purpose for you amidst the things that you're facing in
1: life. We have the choice to trust God in the midst of the trial. Or we'll just wait until after, when everything's peachy keen. But God is saying, Do you trust me? Do you know that I am who I say I am?
0: So when you're facing that struggle at work, that that strained relationship with that coworker. When you're facing a, a, a doctor's report that seems pretty dire. When you're struggling through the realities of this
1: season. Not knowing why we have to continue to walk through this. God is working. It's just a matter of whether we're going to acknowledge that he is. Does God really receive the glory when we complain all the way through life circumstances? Does he? God, why aren't you here? Why aren't you? I never never see anything. We work so hard. It's all for naught. Tired of this. Does God receive the glory when we just refuse to see promises? The journey to the promises of God are marked by setbacks and difficulty. It's tough.
0: Nowhere in Scripture does it say life's going to be easy. In fact, it says life's going to be hard. We see time and time again people having to work through the hardship and the setback. But here's the reality. It's no different
1: in life. Anything worth pursuing is worth working for. Anything worth obtaining is worth working for and laboring for and struggling for.
0: These are the moments where we really see where our trust lies, when stuff's
1: going the wrong way and we can't shortcut to the promises of God. There is no shortcut.
0: We saw the Israelites try and shortcut the promise of God.
1: Like ah,
0: they forty years, and many who doubted didn't even get to see the promise of God. They only saw it from afar. But we can be confident that as we walk through adversity, people are noticing. People notice when we struggle through things. People notice how we operate. Have you ever stopped to think that perhaps the hardship you're facing was not only designed to draw you closer to God? I want to ask that again. Did you ever stop to consider that the hardship that you're facing right now was not just for you? That there was people watching? There are people who are who you work with, people who are in your family, people who who you have relationship
1: with, who are watching to see how you're going to respond. Who around you needs to be led to the love of God by your action and your response to adversity? Your kids? Your parents? Your spouse? at work, students, your friends at school, who needs to see your strength and your faith in God in the midst of trial? Because people are watching us clo- closest when our faith is tested. And what's going to come out?
0: Let's show confidence in the God who will never leave us, who will never forsake us, who is for us, not against us, who loves us who knows the number of hairs on your head, who set your days aright, who knew you before
1: you were in your mother's womb, let's show confidence that God knows what he's doing. I think of, the,
0: of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing there in front of the fiery furnace, and they say, bow, and they're like, no. And they're like, bow, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And they're like, no.
1: They're like, okay, now we're really serious. Bow. And what was their response? Our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Is that our confession? My God will
0: deliver me, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to love him, and I'm going to have faith, and I'm
1: going to step out, encourage Because that's what people are seeing. And that's what changes somebody's mindset to go, wait a second. They're
0: about to be burned. They're about to be fired. They're about to be
1: who knows what. And they're standing firm on the promise of their faith.
0: Romans chapter 8 verse 38 for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What I read there is nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. It's a pretty exhaustive list. In summary, nothing can separate you from the love of God.
1: But we have to remember that God's in control when things seem out of control. And that
0: God's strength is shown when we're most vulnerable. And that in the midst of the difficulty, God's love is on display to the world to those people with whom you come in contact as you move, move towards his miracle moment in your life, that but God moment. I saw this quote the other day. I don't know it's, who it's from. Somebody put it on Facebook. I was grateful. It's most of the nonsense I read on Facebook these days is just that nonsense. But I was encouraged by this. It says, the devil wouldn't be attacking you so hard if there wasn't
1: something so valuable inside of you. Thieves don't break into empty houses. Think about that. The devil wants to steal what you have. He
0: wants to take you out. And he wants it to be on full display. Because the enemy doesn't break into empty houses. What we have in here is the saving power that the world needs. It's the hope that people who are walking in hopelessness need. It's the strength that those who can't even stand right now need. And we
1: have it. But are we showing it? And are we sharing it? Are we allowing people to see us struggle before we get to our butt God moment? Because they're watching. I'm telling you, they're watching. Would you pray with me this morning, God, we thank you.
0: God, we thank you that we don't struggle on our own.
1: We don't struggle against flesh and blood. We struggle against spirits, principalities
0: of darkness. And we thank you that you have conquered darkness.
1: You have conquered death and the grave. And we have hope that you got us.
0: So this morning, God, I pray that you'd give us courage, that you'd give us strength, that you give us eyes to see what you're doing in the midst of the
1: difficulty. God, that you are working for our good and that your desire is that you would be glorified through what we walk through. I pray that we would never
0: lose sight of what you're doing, that we would never lose hope But we would understand that
1: we are just a step away from our but God moment. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're not done in our lives. Thank
0: you that your strength is evident every day if we just look. Help us, God. We ask for strength and courage. We ask for the ability to persevere
1: through the difficulty and the hardship and that our confession would be one that would point people to you. God, we love you and we thank you that you loved us first, that when we were still sinners, you sent your son to die. Thank you, God. This morning, if you're in this place of struggle
0: and trial, and you feel like there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and if it's a light, it's a
1: train, you just feel like at any moment you just want to give up, I want to encourage you. God's greatest miracles are done in your greatest times of struggle. Can we embrace the struggle to get to the other side of but God? God, help us.
0: That's our simple prayer this morning. Help us to trust you more. Help us
1: to love you more. Help us to be more like you in what we say and what we do and what we believe. Oh, God, that you'd be glorified, not us. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, for your presence
0: in our lives, and for your miracle working power that is the same today
1: as it was at the beginning, So it was and Jesus rose from the grave. We thank you for that power. This morning, if you're
0: here in the house or you're watching this on our YouTube channel, and you're in a place where you're saying, I've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what that means. I don't understand. But I'm, 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 I'm at a place where I, I, need, I need an
1: answer. I'm hopeless. Struggling. Without peace, I can't even sleep at night.
0: If that's you, if you are in that place and you need the answer, I'm here to tell you Jesus is that answer. I don't want it to sing, sound churchy or sing songy. When Jesus comes into your life, everything changes, everything's new. Your perspective changes. You will still face struggle, but you won't face it alone. And so if you're in that place and you're saying, I I want that. I, I want that today.
1: I want to experience peace. I want to know where my source is. We're going to
0: say a prayer in a moment and scripture tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So we're going to say a simple prayer together. The church is going to Join us, and if that's you, I would, I would ask you to pray that from your heart and believe that God can save you, and he will. He'll change everything, change the very trajectory of your life. So can we say this today? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, to show me how to live, and he died and was raised back to
1: life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the greatest decision we
0: can make in life to step into relationship with God, to understand that he is writing the story of our life and that there is but God moments at every turn if we're willing to understand that he's working. So this morning, if you made that decision, we'd love to hear from you. would love to have you write on the connection card. I chose to follow Christ. If you're online, please email us at info at albanync.org. Let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to get you a Bible. We want to take this journey with you as you follow Jesus with your whole heart. And today, if you need additional prayer, our prayer team is available to you at the back of the worship center. When we conclude and dismiss, they'd love to agree with you in prayer for whatever's going on in your life. We've, we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. Do you believe that this morning? I'm excited for what God has in store for us as a church and for each of you. He is doing amazing things even now. We're going to be together tonight at our annual business meeting to celebrate what God has done this past year and the doors he is opening to us this coming year. We would invite you to come and hear about the things that are going on And celebrate with us God's faithfulness. Grateful for each and every one of you. Grateful for what God is calling you to do, calling you out to. Telling you right now, church, we're in a crazy season and God is calling us up and calling us out. And we've got to be willing to step into the crazy to show people what the Spirit of God is doing and be the light that they're looking for in the midst of the chaos. We have an opportunity and it doesn't just happen in here i'm believing for great things for you and for your families excited for what god has in store for us this week pray god's blessing on you as you go and as we talk about each and every week we have the decision to be the neighborhood to the people with whom we come in contact with that means being the heart of jesus showing the love of christ Bringing an encouraging word. Showing hope to those who are hopeless. So let's go out of this place. Let's shine the light of Jesus. Let's be the neighborhood. I pray God's blessing on your week. We'll see you next week. Have an awesome, awesome week.